Hey, I want to get started talking about first Jet Smarter because I am flying private jets again. I got Jet Smarter. I got the smart app. I, that's what we call it, the smart app. And I got the service and I signed up. I can create on-demand flights anywhere or I can reserve seats on shared flights worldwide. And you can, if you charter a jet, which I can actually pull up and say, I want to charter a jet tomorrow, go to LA, going to go to a function, going to go to a game, going to get together with some friends, whatever, or you know what we're always doing? A little business. I can share those extra charter seats with fellow members for flight credit. That's right. They give me some credit back. So if I don't use all the seats, I can kind of sell them back. It's kind of cool. So Jet Smarter makes flying private within your reach. I'm telling you, they got memberships, 15, 50,000. Just sign up. It's really cool. It's really nice. So if you download the JetSmarter app today and use this, use the code SMART, S-M-A-R-T, and you'll discover a smarter way to fly. And for full benefits and details, just go to JetSmarter.com. Well, let me also tell you a little bit. I am so lucky to have Liberty Tax, too, because they're our title sponsor uh, for the show. And the folks at Liberty Tax know that starting your business is challenging. I mean, they've been, why? Because they've got over 4,500 locations. They know what it's like. They've been doing franchising for a long time. And so if you're looking at investing, why not invest in a Liberty Tax service franchise? And it makes perfect sense to me. So the experience of a supportive team, I'm telling you, they got a great team. I know those folks over there. Some of my best friends in the world work there. And I'm not just saying that because they pay me, but because I like them. So uh, they've got a great team. I've been to their conventions. I get to know the people. Just unbelievable, nice people. So they've got an access. Uh, you can access over 4,000 offices that I mentioned worldwide, um, mostly here in the United States. they got top-notch marketing materials uh, that helps owning your own business, makes it so much easier. It's within your reach. So just go to LibertyTaxFranchise.com. Now, talking about a franchise, I'm talking about Apple. That's right. I'm going to talk to you about Apple. I had a chance of interviewing the Waz, okay? I was with him in Phoenix. He's announcing WazU education. This is a uh, an interview that I did with him and a chance. And I said, I, you know, Steve, I love you so much. And I've known him for years. I said, we're going to lay this down to a podcast that we're doing. So I'm inspired by this uh, interview because it's just so much fun. Wozniak, he's, I mean, this guy is wacko crazy. I'm telling you, this is one of the toughest interviews I've ever done, okay? Because I've got ADD. He's got ADD and he's drinking like five-hour energy drinks, okay? He's like ingesting it into his veins. That's how much it was. It was crazy. So we're going to talk about some technology. We're going to talk about career-based education. We're going to talk about what he's really like. Is, is he the kind of guy that you see out front in front of everybody? Is he the kind of guy that goes to a cocktail party and stands in the corner? That's what you're going to find out in this one. It's so cool to be able to have a discussion with him about the old days, the new days, what he likes to do. We even get into Bitcoin a little bit, a little bit into the blockchain. That was kind of fun. And, uh, you know, and I even asked him what his favorite phone was. So go listen. Go listen to this. Tune in and you'll have a great time. All right. Welcome, Waz. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, brother. Good to see you. Good to see you. I warned Steve about the chairs ahead of time, so that it's, we, uh, just yeah, it's in case. It's always, 
Always good to be here in Arizona. It's little known that I'm a laureate of an Arizona school. Is that right? Yeah. Well, now uh, you have a frickin' school named the, after it's you. It's the, mean, online, even... the online traffic school. Is that right? Oh, really? <laughs> I, hey, okay. I, was, I was driving the limit everywhere. You pull into, and you know, even, even with a Tesla and electric car on the road, you don't want to speed because you'll have to charge more often. You don't gain any, any speed to your destination. And in town, I'm always driving the speed limits. I've heard of the, the red light cameras. I get into an intersection. It turns orange just as I go in. So I just speed up a little during the intersection, hit the brake light as soon as I'm through, but they yeah, got but me while through. I was in it. Yeah, you, you broke the That's point. That's where the camera was. So, hey, the biggest question everyone wants to know, was it harder to ride on that Segway or was it harder to do Dancing with the Stars? Much harder to do Dancing with the Stars. My body was never made to move muscles certain ways. You have to work so hard sweating seven days a week, six hours a day, until you're sweating it off and try it again, try it again. So much pain, you can't feel a broken bone. I had a broken bone in my foot, couldn't really? feel it. From the toes to the hips, it hurt so much, you can't tell. Oh, that was, uh, I lost five inches on my belt in six weeks just preparing the first time in my life to dance. You know, after you've learned dancing, it's like computer programming, though. You learn one style of dance, they show you, okay, now here's a new one. It's a foxtrot or whatever, here's a, or it's a, you know, two-step. How much but caffeine now, you But had? it's like That's a new, com- once you learn one computer programming language, it's, you learn others, and there's some similarities. Have you always been The first been like- one's the hard one. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just going to let you keep talking, because it's awesome. Are you, have you always been like this? Um, no, but I like to speak fast because I can get more in. And to me, technology, I'm usually talking about technology or stories of life, and they're so interesting. I want to get as much out there as I can. Do you really think of it like that? I mean, do you really, like, that's a conscious thought in your head? No, I just enjoy it. You just enjoy it. You're just screwing with me again, aren't you? I enjoy it. I grew up unable to talk to people anywhere in life. So shy, just outsider, just avoid them. They couldn't talk to me. Is that what it was like? Got through it. It was, it was, oh, yeah. What was the breakthrough for that? Um, after Apple, the start of Apple, I would be invited to speak to little geeks like myself, talking about pins and microprocessor interrupts and all these weird geeky things, and I could do that because that was my business. And I could talk about chips and their types and on the board and why I did it this way. And then we got up to the clubs, the computer clubs of the country got a little more sophisticated. I came to Phoenix in one of those early days. Whoa. And they had like rules of order, a way they ran a club in a sophisticated business style from start to end. Here are the topics we do. And a lawyer ran the club. And then I got more and more up to more sophisticated audiences. So it was a smooth staircase of ascension. And I'm not afraid to talk anymore, but if I go to a party, I'm still the old me comes out. I just try to be in a corner, not seen by anybody. That's a natural thing. Yeah, I mean, last three times I went to comedy clubs in Hollywood, I mean, I was each time I was sitting there in the dark thinking I was anonymous, each time they called me out. The third time they even had me come up on stage and tell jokes. What was the joke you told? Well, it was a Hispanic night. I knew, I knew. So I, I told a joke, which has gotten me in a, a, a trouble when I told it at a college graduation as an example of logic. Oh. It's not really, it doesn't, um, it doesn't demean people of, of Hispanic, of the Hispanic Yeah, but variety. if you're going to tell Hispanic jokes, but you, here's should, the joke. you should probably be Hispanic. Yeah. What do you, um, what do you call four Mexicans in quicksand? I, I, Cuatro Cinco. Uh, okay. See, it makes fun of language. Yeah, all right. Yeah. But I've, stick I've changed. To te- stick to technology and a university. I'm going to tell you that right now. I cleaned that joke up, though. Yeah. I, what do you, what do you no, call no, for? Don't, no, 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 no. I promised your wife that I would not get you into trouble. Okay. So I did do that. So, all right. Let's get. When, I, 
Well, is you this, broke your promise already, I, I guess. I already have. I have. How cool is it to, one, be you, and then have a university named after you because of the innovation that you've done? I mean, how cool it, is that? It is a great honor that you could never have a plan and work for. You could never buy. The reasons for it are, uh, are, just, are totally pure, and it just it fits my heart because it fits my dreams in life. When I was in sixth grade, I told my father, I'm going to be an electrical engineer like you before computers. And second, I want to be a fifth grade teacher like Miss Grackett. I wound up teaching eight years of my life in the public schools, and education is always so important to me. How are people going to learn? You're right on, man. You're right. You're right. And well, was you, was you, mixes them both. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. We, I mean, when you got the call, were you pretty excited? Worked it out over time. You know what? I'm so busy, and I love my life. I go around speaking a lot. So mainly, I want to inspire and motivate young people to believe that if they have ideas, you should work for it and have startup companies and do these great things. And don't be afraid that just you have to know other people know it all, and you don't. So, I like to do that. And so, 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 it was, it, so it wasn't instantaneous. Yes, I'll do this. But yes, I was very interested in it. Was you long time ago? Well, not a long time ago, maybe about five years ago. I actually was, had somebody on a phone call or email, an email contact saying they should start a was you, a university at some other, you know, place that I talked to some education people from, hmm, there were uh, Apollo Corporation that ran Phoenix sure, University yeah, yeah. and all that. And no, in the end, all they wanted to do was have pay some money to have a few slides of me given a few, three different talks. And that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted my own name on a technology university would attract the right kind of people. Mm-hmm. So this was just ideal. This was what I really wanted. In a, in a good place. I mean, it's right here in Phoenix. I mean, you can't beat this. Yeah. And it's going big. Yeah. It's going big. And not only that, but I like being not just a name that represents certain things, but talking to the people that are setting up was you and giving them all the inspirations. And they've read my books and what I believe in, in education and my life, seeing them actually listen to it and take it into account and into practice yep. in this school. One, one hint for you. Next time you start the meeting, start with a joke. I think would be good. You start with a joke. And then I always say that to anybody that you should always bring humor into everything you do in life. Yet totally serious and you're not happy. You just want things that smile and laugh. Yeah. That's how, when you die, the day you die, how much did I smile? I'd rather be the smiling guy than the one who ran all these companies and accomplished so much and had my own private jet and all that. No. Yeah. Which I, would, I determined I would never be that person and never live that lifestyle and I avoided it. Yeah. What makes you happy? Um, humor, jokes, music, uh, funny things, people being tricked and fooled by things, you know, even on TV shows, movies. When I write my prank book, might be my next book, uh, you can be a little shocked. The, wa- a, the Waz pranks? <laughs> yeah, a lot of great ones. A R- little beyond what most people do. I always think of a little twist, just like I did with my computer designs. Well, we'll sa- we're going to save that one for the next one. Let me ask you, let's, I want to get to education again. Um, I want to know why the focus on education versus the focus on just inventing and doing new things along the innovation side that you would want to do. By my background, I was from elementary school on, not an inventor, an engineer, but I put in those ten thousands, tens of thousands of hours. I put them in building little things on my own and working my way up without thinking it would ever be a job, without thinking it would ever be a company, without everything thinking it'd be worth money. And um, so, so that's, the, that's the inventor. It's in me so much. When we started Apple, I was so 
I was anti-political, non-conflict. I don't want to get into fights or anything. And I would only, only at first I turned down the big investment that made Apple Corporation. I turned it down because inside I love designing computers, but I wanted to remain an engineer for the rest of my life at the best engineering company in the world at that time, Hewlett Packard. Yeah. They made, they made products that other engineers used. And, and so I decided not to leave. But then finally I decided to go to Apple because I, I realized I could be an engineer at Apple, go into my laboratory, be an inventor, run in when I had ideas, create new things for the computer and keep it going. And you know what? Let other people run the company. I didn't want to be at the, uh, in that type of life. Were you ever involved in a lot of the business stuff, though? I mean, did you? I mean, you I mean had to oh, get, sure. You had from, to get from in the early days, from start yeah. on. Of course, I was. I mean, um, uh, and not only that, we had a computer was a platform. Okay, a school is a platform because you can turn out one thing great after another after another. Students, mm -hmm. but our computer was a platform. What would help out people use it? We didn't really know. We had the ideas we had. If we were right, this industry never would have happened. So, you know, keeping your family recipes on the computer, well, it's a, it's a good thing to do, but it's $2,000. A $2,000 typewriter did not make sense. But things will happen, and they did. So it was a platform, and uh, I, was, I had to be involved. I was creating the new little sets of chips and boards that plugged in that connected us to printers. Think of a computer with no printer, and then you had to add a printer. And adding disk drives and adding modems, all these things like... How could you ever have had a computer without those? Remember, so yeah. I had to keep, I was very critical, but one of the best of all was a good example for the education world, which is knowledge is less important than motivation. All of the incredible, great things I did for Apple that were A-plus jobs and changed the world, every one of them was like, unlike anyone had ever done before, my way was, you're, you've been trained to invent things. You invent them. You don't copy other things. You don't even look at a product data sheet and copy it. And all the great things I did were because I had no money, no savings account, no rich relatives. But that meant I had to design things so small and cheap with so few parts, I could afford them because I wanted them. Secondly, I did a great things because I didn't know have any experience doing them. I'd never done them in my life or studied them. And the floppy disk is a good example. About a year into Apple, all of our programs were on cassette tapes. You put your cassette tape into a player, like modem tones, it goes into the computer, and the computer figures out the data. Okay, but you couldn't type run a program. It wasn't fast and efficient like people used to computers wanted. Run a program. You needed a disk for that. Well, we had a meeting at Apple two weeks before Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Nevada, they were going to allow the three personal computer companies in, Commodore, Radio Shack, and Apple. We were going to go to Las Vegas. I'd always heard of Las Vegas, the lights and everything. And, and the trouble is we were only going to send three marketing guys. Our investor was head of marketing, Steve Jobs, and maybe our sales guy, Gene Carter. Three guys. And I'm too shy to raise my hand and say, I'm a founder. I should get to go. <laughs> so I raised my it's hand. I, I had never worked with Discord hardware or software in any way or studied it in my life. I raised my hand and I said, if we have a disk drive, floppy disk, can we show it? Mike Markless says, yes. Here's my head spinning. If I can figure out how to make a floppy disk drive in two weeks, this would be normally a year-long engineering job, in two weeks and type run a program, run checkbook, and it runs the checkbook program. 
they'll have to take me to Vegas. If they're showing it, they'll have to, I'll be the only one who knows how it works. Or I got, I got to work. I worked Christmas Day. I worked New Year's Day. I worked solidly. I came up with just ways to make it. I studied how the signals would have to go. I didn't look at anybody else's design. I didn't buy chips that were out there to do it. I figured out how to do it with eight little $1 chips, real clever, clever designs. And I went to Las Vegas, and Randy Wigington, a high school programmer who was helping me out, he was in high school, I taught him how to play craps, and he won 35 bucks. You gotta remember the important things in life. I taught Steve Jobs how to play craps you, on that trip. Count, and that made cards? a, this thing made a huge difference for Apple. I didn't, I never counted cards. Never My counted father cards. did. My father did, but I'm into it for fun, not for, like, not to, uh, it's not serious stuff. Not serious. I'm trying to make money gambling. I mean, that's a stupid idea. Are you still, are you? I'll try to hack. I would love to hack a machine. Yeah, one time I took a little <laughs> shocker, a shocker that makes big voltage. And I thought if I tap this one machine, maybe it'll go into an error and dump out money, but didn't. Uh, <laughs> nice. I used to play arcade games. And if they have six digits for the score, I would work for seven years on Defender till I got up to a million to Defender, roll it over. I Once you exceed the number of digits it has, will it have a bug? And it, 991,000, it had a horrible bug and gave me tons of free ships and smart bombs. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I got really good. But it took me a lot of years to get up that good. You, you, it's like, like Tetris on I the Game Boy. I lost control of this about this 20 day. minutes ago. Before we, All right. So do you, are you still coding? Are you still, what, and what are you coding? And what are you, what I, are you inventing? What are you inventing right now? What are you, in, in your lab, okay. you, you got to have an unbelievable lab. Education, ever since, even since Apple was successful, I went and I taught public schools how to use your computer for everything in school, how to apply it. Mm-hmm. And I, my course would be voluntary. It would be 200 hours per year for fifth graders every year. Then I had extra classes of sixth to ninth graders and then classes of teachers. It was a lot of work. I got up to seven days a week, education in the public schools. And um, so that was a huge part of my life. I didn't um, sit back, no press allowed because press represented a type of dishonesty and I didn't want any dishonesty near students. I wanted to teach them the best thing you can do in life, the high, best of all good is honest. Yeah. I wouldn't, not to make a political statement, I wouldn't say that about the press now. I think we sure. have a different view. Now, my inventing got thwarted by Apple's success, though. Apple, Apple took over my life for the last 30 years, where I'm used to all the products that are out, the differences between them, how other product, companies' products work, what kind of apps you can get, how those apps work, the software, you know, the programs. I, I, I constantly followed what was going on in computing so I could have good ideas for, for, you know, what was good, what was bad, where was the future, but I didn't actually do engineering the way I had done it. When you're young, I could, you have strength and I could have my head working intensely on things day and night. I went to sleep thinking of computer problems and I'd wake up in the middle night with answers very often. It was a style of my life, but you know what? You can feel muscles in your head when you're working hard, thinking hard, pulling tight. And I just didn't want that for life. I wanted a relaxing state. So I really um, followed Apple products instead of doing the engineering. And even things like programming languages went beyond me. But in recent times, yeah, I wanted to get in. I read the book on the Raspberry Pi years ago. And it was developed for the same reason I developed the Apple II. Yeah. I wanted that computer to get out there with a big manual and instructions so that lots of young people would find this is what computers are. This is what is in me. That's what I found by accident when I was in elementary school and there were no computers, no books in bookstores, nothing. I stumbled into some accidental things and said, 
this is the passion of my life. So I wanted to make that available. Anyway, I went and I got my Raspberry Pi and, you know, I started setting it up and learning how to do certain things from scratch, learning Linux, and then learning ways to optimize it the way I always did with my code and my circuits online. And it was frustrating. Everything I'd follow steps to make a VPN or to make an Amazon Echo on my Raspberry Pi or other, other things I did, you know, just even sending out signals so I can plug computers in anywhere in my house into Ethernet and they work. But I did that on the Raspberry Pi, all these programs, and every step failed to be online because it's, I don't know, open source and it's just changing enough. And then I'd have to figure out and go search and find where files were and make it work right, frustrating as heck, and then finally get it solved and working. That's the happiest thing in life. And I knew that that was me, the me that had been lost for 30 years. But it's, you know, it, so it's a little late now, but I recommend it for every kid in the world. You know, get one of these small computers. Matter of fact, once, once I, I got to where I'd be in China, they block Google and Facebook right. unless you can secretly hide your data, encrypt right. your data. So I use a VPN on my Raspberry Pi at home, but the Raspberry Pi costs 35 bucks. And my head always went for the lowest solution that does the job just as well. So I found a little $9 computer called the CHIP chip. And then I programmed the same thing on the chip and it got me out of, out of China, got my data out of China without them knowing. <laughs> but I love, I love doing it and it's right in my house. It just goes to a little, little device in my house and out to the internet so and back to the me. So the press is now running out that Waz has beaten China right now. That's be the headline tomorrow. But what, so what, I can imagine what you were like in college in a class. Oh my God. What, yeah, that's I, what that's I would not, say. Oh my well, God. I mean, what, what, what kind of environment would you want to have as a student in college? Compare, cause I know what it was like back then, cause we're fairly mm-hmm. close to the same age. You're a little bit older. I just want to point that out. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but I remember what that was like. We sat in a frickin' thing. They talked to us. They talked to us to, you know, what would you like to see in that, in a college environment? Um, it's, I'm a bad person to ask that question because through elementary school, I had discovered computers and logic and Boolean algebra about that logic and built devices with hundreds of transistors that could play tic-tac-toe and never lose or add numbers in the ones and zeros of computers. I mean, incredible projects that were so huge and big, huge things that showed all the electron orbits and you pick a, you pick an element out of 92 switches and did you, certain of the 92 were, lights. Were you like, like Matthew Broderick? Did you like, like hack? Very in, much, exactly. Like war games? Did you hack into the, like, the grades and um, stuff? I did not. They didn't have computers in those days. Yeah, I, and I, oh, I have never hacked into a computer yeah. to like get into the operating system, the file, disturb things, any of that. Never have done that in my life, although I have a hacking mentality, which is taking shortcuts, finding ways to do things that supposedly others can't do, do it a little better. Now, I did notice in the movie War Games, Matthew Broderick was sitting there with a modem. I knew a lot of people would do this. And the modem would try one number after another to try to find which ones were modems that it might be able to connect to and discover things. But I noticed the phone numbers that were on the screen going by were Sunnyvale numbers. They they said that it was happening in the movie. They said it was in Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale. They were Sunnyvale numbers because I grew up in Sunnyvale. (laughs) So that was... That was a type of uh, genuineness that I like. So you seem to me like a human AI, right? But I was going to get to college, too. We were going to get to college. Okay. Well, you want to... Well, so, I, so by high school, I mean, high school, I'm getting the... I'm the top master, and I'm getting the math awards from my schools, yeah. and, I, and, you know, and all the best sciences, and 800s on, on math and science, all the SATs. And I could... I somehow had discovered a manual that described a computer... And then I went back to my elementary school logic learning. Can I design on paper the logic that would make a computer? 
my first one. It was really hard at first, but eventually I got to where I could design any computer that I got a manual for, I could design it in two days. And you'd say, you should go to MIT. And I flew out to, with some friends my first time out of California to a place that snowed. And I would only apply to that one college, period. That was it. You were there. Boulder, Colorado. Boulder. Boulder. But I went to school. Okay, now here I am. I, I just sort of, in high school, I kind of knew so much about science and math, I often didn't pay attention. And one time, on a quarter grade, not a semester grade, my physics teacher, the most important, wonderful, loving class of my life, gave me a B plus because I didn't turn in any homework, had all the best grades on the tests. Wow, that one shocked me. That shocked me. I got back to work after that, but I went to Cause, college. Because you wanted an A? I went to college. Did, no, I, did you want an A? I mean, you wanted an A that? Or no, I'd never had less than an A in a science class, but this didn't count. It was a did quarter were, grade. Yeah, but still, did you care? Did you? Jeez. Did you, did you even care, though? Seriously. Did oh, you, I cared. You did. For, I, wanted, I, I was a top science student, and I, I knew that was my, my, what you're good at is what you value. And my father, you know, had been a science person. But when I went to college, oh, my gosh, the first time in my life I'm going to get to program a computer. I had in high school briefly through a company. I got to do it down at a company because my electronics teacher knew that I, I already knew all the electronics, and I would just play pranks at school. So I went to college, and introduction to computers was a graduate level course. And as a freshman, I took it and I got an A plus. But I wrote every program I could think of writing that calculated mathematical numbers for scientists. And I didn't realize the class had a budget with the department that had a budget with the expensive supercomputer of the day. And I ran our class five times over budget, which was more than out-of-state tuition. Oh, I was on the hairy edge of trouble and getting suspended. Did you get an A? I got an A plus in the class. That's pretty good. Yeah, but uh, but but boy, the te- that instructor man, he called me in the office. He had tape record the conversation because he was trying to get out of having being on the hook for owing it to the computer department. He said, "Mr. Wozniak should pay it." Oh, I, my parents could have never afforded it. Yeah. They could only afford well, one they, year, one year of out-of-state tuition. They, anyway. they, they no, told yeah, me, but uh, look at you now. They, you could afford it, so it's all right. It's, uh, it wasn't, it's not such a bad thing now. Well, you know what? It was a great class too, and trained me a lot. But more than that, you talk about what was education like for you. It wasn't necessarily in the classes. I could get a job as a dishwasher in the girls' dorm and make a few bucks, you know, five bucks a week or something. But I would, I would go down to the student bookstore. And there were graduate level courses in computer languages like Simula and PL1 and Algol. And I bought the manuals and I just wanted to learn, read them. I couldn't ever run programs on a computer, but I could read these manuals and learn it. Why? I loved it so much. My, see, I had the freedom. I had the freedom in the school. Now you have the internet. That's the freedom to find anything you're interested in and go explore it. Or you can do more than is required. Like in high school mathematics, we would be assigned to do the even problems from up to, let's say, the odd problems, 1 to 37. Do the odd problems. Every time, I would do every single problem up to 50, every one do of them. All. Just because I loved, yeah, I, I'm, I just love mathematics. Do you, do you read a real book or do you read it, on, do you read it online? Do you read it on digitally? Well, obviously, I grew up as a reader. Everybody mm-hmm. smart really grows up reading a lot. And I, but now I do it online. And even then, I don't do um, as much of it. You know, I, I mean, audio books, I think, are, you know, <laughs> fine, too. I met Dan Brown at an event today, too. 
Was he? Dan I forgot Brown? to tell my wife. Oh, different Dan Brown. Dan, oh, okay. Wow, he's got a new book out. I, was like, I just wow. wanted to see my wife's look yeah. when I said yeah. it. <laughs> he's got that new book out, which would be awesome. Hey, what yeah. phone do you have? I'm just curious. On me, I have an iPhone. Oh no, I, I forgot to bring it, but I have the watch that theoretically can make calls if it ever works. Yeah. Um, but but I I have an iPhone. Yeah. Which one? Which one do you have? The newest, latest iPhone yeah, the eight. Eight. The, iPhone or the eight, X10, whatever. But I also have an 8 Plus, and I have an iPhone 5C, and I have lots of different models of Android phones that are prominent, because I like to try what everyone does and see what yeah. are they doing to understand the industry better, mm-hmm. and also know that you can't say, my brand is good, so your brand isn't the same, you're bad. No, yeah. I never say that. Uh, little things intrigue me. Do you, do you get free phones? No. I could ask for free phones. Steve Jobs did send me the first iPhone when it mm-hmm. came out for free. But no, I prefer to be like normal people. And in the middle, I want to. I stood in the lines for most of the iPhone introductions. I waited overnight. Went really? down all night long in a little folding chair. They didn't chair. like give you a freebie and move you up to the front of the line, at least that? I wouldn't have wanted it. Really? I wouldn't have wanted Seriously, that. Seriously, I mean... I was often at the front of these lines. I mean, I really... Uh, that's impressive. Yeah. Actually, it's a very impressive and the thing. And the iPads, too. And and every time, of course, one of them, I bought it right in the store. I'm the first person in. I bought my iPhone. I think it was 4S. And I had it between two other phones, and one was a curved Samsung one. And I came out, and it slipped right, oh. on the, right outside the store, uh, broken. Oh, man. Yeah, we've all been there. I'll tell you that. You know, uh, what's your favorite one? The favorite iPhone of all yeah. times? It's hard to say. The latest one is usually always my favorite if it's an iPhone, the latest yeah. iPhone from Apple. I have some phones that I like very, very much, um, some of the Android phones. But for iPhones, it's the latest. But for design style, the one I really liked a lot was one that was made a little cheaper iPhone, the iPhone 5C. Oh, yeah, 5C. It came in all these little bright colors, and you hold it in your hand, and it feels so good. And it had the basics of an iPhone 5. The main things, it didn't have the Touch ID, which is, you know, changing our life. Didn't have that, but I really always admired the styling of that phone. There was a lot of good common sense that went into it, but people who buy Apple stuff want the high end, not the Do you ever pick up the phone and call Tim Cook or someone in the company and say, hey, let me give you some advice? Just about never. I think I sent him an email (laughs) one time, one time saying that this one kid that I would met was so impressive, uh, could he get into the Worldwide Developer Conference? And Tim did let him in. And no, I, matter of fact, the last Apple, the iPhone 8 introduction, I wasn't even invited. I used to get invited to all the Apple product introductions. Well, you and probably I wasn't got invited, invited, but it was just cotton spam. A, a friend of a friend, a, a vice president at Apple, uh, told Tim Cook I should be invited. I got invited instantly, and that was nice. And they even let my wife come. Well, that's good. Well, they were so tight, it was question iffy. Yeah. Well, I would have, but I would have, I would have probably skipped it. What? Well, you watch it online. You actually can yeah, you do. It's, it's a and then it's, you can order something right away if there's something to order. Well, it's a huge and it's a huge show. I mean, it's a big show. It takes over everything. Hotel rooms in in the Bay Area. I was there that day because we did an investor summit. Hotels rooms are going at super eight, like for a thousand dollars a night. Yeah. So. I'll tell you a little secret. The Apple new Apple campus, a big space spaceship. Almost everybody has seen what it looks like. Yep. They bought a division of Hewlett Packard, and raised it and, and replanned everything so beautifully, the parking, so many trees and everything about it. But they bought more than where that, where that new Apple campus is. They bought the little land to the side that was owned by HP. And it was HP had run another division there that was only two buildings. 
Every single HP division in 1973 in the country was negative, in the red, except that one division that made handheld calculators mm. made the whole company positive. It was the hot product of its day, like the latest smartphone introduction, the hottest thing in the world. And I didn't have a college degree, but I actually got hired to design them as an engineer because they interviewed me and I just knew everything about computers and design, got hired right away. So the, that was in my cubicle there is where all of the conception of the Apple I and the Apple II products occurred and all of the designing and the prototyping, the building it, making it work, testing the hardware, the software, it all happened in those buildings of HP, which is right now it, that Apple owns. I don't even know if Apple so knows it's this. it's almost like sacred ground. So I came home and the Apple II computer was all of Apple, Apple's only successful product for the first 10 years of Apple. Mm -hmm. That product was an incredible product to have all done in a prototype before you start a company, before you raise money or anything. So how's the creative product uh, process work for you? Are you kind of like a morning person, evening person? Do you do it all day? Do you, you know, like stay up for days? Or do you, yeah, I mean, do you have yeah. to have no. her herbal tea or, I mean, what? When, when, it, when it hits you, you do a occasional all-nighter even, more the younger you are. When you're young, you not only have this great mental energy, you got this great physical energy and you can stay up better. Um, these days, um, so it doesn't apply that much these days, but basically in the time frames of my life that it would apply, I was a night person mostly. There's an example where when I finished this floppy disk design that was gonna totally change things for Apple computer and personal computers forever, it was so successful. Um, I went over to um, one of our buildings and asked the technicians, well, where's the company, what's the company that lays out the PC boards to make my floppy disk controller on it, to make one for production. And they said, yeah, well, they're kind of busy right now. And one of the techs said, why don't you just lay it out yourself? So I put these big mylar sheets on a drafting table and, and little tape colors, they're colored tapes that you tape where you want the little silver stripes to be on the, the green fiberglass PC board. I taped it up all myself night after night after night for a week or two. And these two engineers, the Houston brothers would leave around midnight to two, but I would usually stay another hour or two. I was the last person to leave every single night. And then when I got it all done, I realized that if I had done one slight difference in the design, I could have saved three of the eight holes that went from the board to connect the top layer to the bottom. Eight little holes you never see. I could have saved three of them. I tore my design apart. I tore apart my, my layout. I redesigned the floppy disk controller to go the other, shift register to go the other way. I did it again, only had five holes through. And then I went into a meeting, a staff meeting at Apple, and Steve Jobs was bringing up the point that Woz is coming in real late, you know, like 10 in the morning, 11. <laughs> nobody knew, because nobody knew that I was doing this. Yeah. It was all just me secretly, kind of, and I... Yeah, and I said, I know this is what I've been doing. Does, I mean, every night till four in the morning. So I, I remember you were on Big Bang, right? And so the Big Bang is, is like Sheldon Cooper, kind of like a pseudo. I don't, I don't watch television. So the first time I watched it was when they called. Would Steve like to be on the Big Bang Theory? And my wife said, Oh, after Dancing with the Stars, we've got to see it first to make sure it's okay. <laughs> good move. Good and move. I, I love comedy more than anything in the world, more than, more than technology, more than education. I just love, love jokes. And I just laughed and laughed at this, at that show. And we got, yeah, got to be on it. And Sheldon uh, Cooper, we talked to the, one of the producers and he said that, you know, they were just interviewing people for the job, auditioning them. And, you know, 79 people lined up and here comes, you know, Jim Parsons comes yeah. up. 
oh my gosh. And Bill, Bill Party said, that's, that's him. That is, that is Sheldon. And Chuck Lorre said, well, maybe it was a one-off. We gotta, we'll, we'll, inter- we'll audition him again. Brought him in again, and man, he's, he's just the part. Yeah, but, but I get the sense that you're, when you talk about there, there's these holes, and you saw that, and you, they're empty, and oh my gosh. That, Nobody would just, ever notice, but I got it, it matters to me. I got it. That's matters my point. Me. I mean, to me, you, would, you seem like the kind of guy that if you went into a room and you saw blinds up and there was one slat turned, you would want to go turn the slat and make sure they're all right. I am not obsessive compulsive in anything in my life, and I never have been. Not at all. However, if I can spot, if I'm working on a project and I can spot that there is a right way or a wrong way, maybe to put a CD back in a holder, I say, you know what? Better to usually try to do the right way. But I, it's not like something that will make me uh, traumatic if it's not. No. I, I mean, you could walk away from it? A blind, a blind, I probably wouldn't care. If it were no, my but, own house, no, I'd probably want to get it fixed. Yeah, but if you're working on the project, could you walk away from it? Working on what project? Whatever project. And then there's like three holes there that you could have fixed. Oh, no, that was, I wanted it so perfect. This little board represented, I thought back, it represents me to the world. And I just want to be so perfect. But actually, it's engineers. I didn't care about starting computers, personal computers. I didn't care about starting a company. I wanted other engineers to see my work and how unusual and different and it was. It was unbelievable. And I wanted compliments from engineers because I believed engineers were the most important people in the world to me. You have to realize this Apple II computer, I had designed, I believe, a lot in humor and fun. I had designed games for Atari Breakout, where you hit the ball against the bricks. I designed it. Well, all the games that Atari was making, they were starting an industry called arcade games. Oh. They were in Los Gatos, California, where I live now, the same city that Pet Rock was, was invented in. And the guy who did it still lives there. And Netflix is there, so other things. But I was working at Atari. Every single game on the arcade floor was black and white. They hadn't solved how to do color games yet. And every game was hardware design, which takes a skilled engineer usually months, months to put together a new game with, you know, 70 to 200 chips. And uh, so I did my breakout in 45 chips. But after that, I started thinking. I went four days and nights. Steve Jobs said I had to do it in four days and nights. This is a half-man-year job. I didn't think even I, greatest designer in the world, could do it. I did it. No sleep. No sleep for four days and nights. Got mononucleosis, which is called the sleeping sickness. Yeah. My immune system, I'm sure, was way down. Well, anyway, um, while I was there, I just thought uh, there was a dot on a TV going back and forth in colors. Red, blue, green, red, red, blue, green, um, orange, red, blue, green, orange, you know? And I'm thinking, my God, what if games someday are color? Atari didn't make it in color. They had mylar strips on a black and white TV to make it look like color. What if they were color and my head started going here? Color in a TV. I knew the old analog electronics. I could repair TVs of the old day I, easily. Ah, red is a nice big wave, a sine wave, where the voltage on a wire goes up and down at a certain rate. And if it's a little later in time, it's actually blue. And then if you mix them, make it a little higher up in voltage, it's lighter and down. Oh my gosh, what popped in my head was a number in computers. Numbers in computers are called digital. They're based on zeros and ones. For example, the number five is zero, one, zero, one. The number three is zero, zero, one, one. When you're in computer programming, you learn these things. And then it popped in my head, what if I put zero, zero is a low, low voltage, one, one is a high voltage, zero, and repeated it. 
that number three, zero, zero, one, one, zero, zero. It's going up and down. If I made it, I realized if I made it go down, up and down at exactly the right speed rate, every color TV would think it was color, even though something like that had never been in any engineering book. Engineering books were only on the, the way to create color for $5,000 with all these, these what's called op-amps and feedback circuits and mixers. It was $5,000, and now I had a way to send that number on a wire into a TV for $0, and it would think it was color. It's like I was coming up with these weird things for 10 years in my life. So you that was the Apple II. But also, also, back then, you had a video display. You had to have a memory that stored what was on a TV screen. That cost a huge amount of money. So there were no video screens for low-cost computing ever. And then you had to have memory in a computer for the computer to use. And I said, why don't I make them one in the same memory? And the computer, and it turns out the computer memory, being dynamic memory, had to get these inputs in that were constantly scanning it in a pattern to make sure that every bit got refreshed in every 20,000th of a second. Don't let me bore you, but it's fun. It's fun to hear. And, and somehow I combined the two memories and then the, the computer could change a number in memory, put like the number five into a place in memory, or the number three into a place in memory, and in that place in memory corresponded to somewhere in your TV set turned red. Oh my gosh, you could change 100,000 dots on the TV by, into a different color, 100,000 a second animation. So that was the first, but also you could program it, game. So that was the first time arcade games were software and color, was the Apple II computer. That computer was more than a computer. It was, you know, important for the video game industry. Well, huge, huge. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, why would you look at a game that's black well, and then, white? And most people don't even know that the founder of Atari then started Chuck E. Cheese, which became a great way to teach people how to use games. So yeah. it was a Nolan. Business. Nolan, yeah, Bushnell. Nolan. He's a good yeah. friend of mine back yeah, then and now. He tried to hire me from Hewlett Packard, and I told him, "I'm going to be an engineer at Hewlett Packard for life. You'll never get me." Talking about Nolan Bushnell, the founder. Nolan of Atari. Bushnell, founder yeah. of Atari. Been on He's my the show. one who wanted Breakout. Yeah. He's a great, great guy. Great, He's a great, great motivator. Great guy. Yeah, you want a good speaker. Yeah. Well, He's a great one. So I sense, you know, engineers are known for being in the zone. I got a feeling you still get in the zone a lot. You know what? I get in the zone about everything. It doesn't have to be engineering. Yeah. Just driving the car, thinking my thoughts. I like to always be thinking in background thoughts everywhere I go, but not like the, the old days in the zone was... Well, actually, my, it, wasn't, it was less in the zone in my old days because my thoughts were scattered all over. I was multitasking so well in my head I could be doing all sorts of things. Nowadays, I'll do one thing and get it fixed so it's ended. I want to get to the end point. Then I'll take on another. Then I'll take on another. So I'm so focused in one direction. But I don't know that you call it a zone. Yeah, it's a zone. Other people come up. I'm sorry. I can't listen to you right now. I'm you know, it's that kind of intenseness. But when you're developing an engineering project, you're developing software, it is, you're so close to a solution. And to break the line of thought that had maybe dozens of lines of code doing a certain way, what is wrong, trying to piece it all together, you can't be interrupted and, and be as productive. You'll, it'll interrupt your productivity. Do you think anybody can do the things that you do? Um, the things that I did back then, very few people could do, but yes. I can't say I'm, I'm unique and the only one. I'm a human being. Other human beings could be extremely skilled at doing things. What I did was worth a lot of money because by accident, the thing that I was meant to do in my life was to design that computer that year. 
and it would have happened whether it was worth money or anything. I designed a lot of things that were worth almost no money at all. Once, for five years leading up to Apple, once a year Steve Jobs would come into town, see something that I designed for fun, and he would turn it into money. And other companies found out that I was this bright Hewlett Packard engineer that would design their stuff for five cents. That was my fee. You, that I would charge because you, you know what a, you didn't know the value. You didn't know what the value of that the, was. The first you, hotel, you were doing it to do it. the first hotel movie system. A guy from Hollywood came up and he wanted to have you be able to see movies in your hotel room, and I got to design it five cents. Some standard some standard circuits to generate time codes for television called Simpty. I got to design that one five cents. But you but I thought it was a unique thing you said at the beginning of the interview that was we we seldom understand the things that we design for the intents that they were for. They go off and become something else, right? No, platforms. You don't know where platforms are going to go. And a lot of products maybe start something, then you kick in, oh my gosh, this is so big in some other areas. But so you, I think you stumble onto success. And um, the computer is a platform. That means it spins out to other things, depending what people, what programs they write for it and what they plug in. These days, computers are kind of controlled by the company that makes it, and you don't have that choice. It's not so much defined by others, but um, for Apple, it was. It's good to have a platform. Um, they talk about digital currencies these days, Bitcoin, oh, yeah. but there's one called Ethereum. And Ethereum uses the technology behind Bitcoin, but not to make it a value like money, but to make it be able to carry what's called a blockchain, all the records of all the transactions of maybe your health history or of all the health history of the world, or all the transactions of your banking stuff, or all the transactions of certain industries and their business, and it's not stored on any computer, really. It's spread all over the internet. Keeps this thing called the blockchain. It's it's a strange new thing that's coming in the future. Oh, it's huge. But it's a platform because everyone can look at it. Here's a new technology. Could I apply it to what I do? We do in our company. You know? so, so what do you, I mean, that's a great a transition in terms of the e-currency or cryptocurrencies that we're seeing today. You think they're here to stay? The e-currencies? I don't know, Bitcoin. When I first saw Bitcoin, it was $70 to buy one, but I couldn't buy one. You needed a bank account with the right bank. I think I eventually bought some. It was easier to actually change cash or credit card for Bitcoin. I got some at like 700 bucks and it goes down to 300 bucks, you know, but I didn't care. My reason for buying Bitcoin was not as an investor. It was to buy some Bitcoin and figure out how to use it. I bought some things online on some websites. They'd put up a QR code if you said do it with Bitcoin and you'd point your phone at it and, t- and you paid with Bitcoin. And that was fun. And I wanted to learn how to travel to other cities and use ATMs for Bitcoin with Bitcoin. And I wanted to learn how to get into hotels that had Bitcoin. So there's all the, there's apps that I got on my iPhone that would tell me where the places are. Not yet enough that I've been able to travel totally only on Bitcoin. I want to do that. It's still a goal of mine. Still a bucket list goal, I guess. But um, then one day I sat there, I don't, because it wasn't an investment. I wanted to play with Bitcoin and learn how to buy and sell things. And then one day, for some reason, after a couple of years of not even paying attention to it, saw an article that said it was over $2,000 oh, for four, a Bitcoin. Or 4000 Then it went up to 4000 Today it's 5000 yeah. yeah, five. What? I didn't ever invest. This is not right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I found out that I, I bought some of the Ethereum when it was brand new, just taking a gamble. And I, I forgot about it. Didn't even know I had them. And I found them in one of my accounts. I have 200 Ethereums. Oh, my God. You know. <laughs> a good deal. So, <laughs> a lot what, of money. So um, let, me, let me ask you about AI. I mentioned it earlier on, and I, I want to get to it because it seems to me wherever we see innovation occurring today, a lot of people are talking about the AI side. How fast is that going to accelerate? Well, it bothers me to hear this 
because people talk the phrase AI, mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. I call it augmented idiocy. I mean, idiocy is if you have a couple of little formulas to do something. Okay, a machine picks up a blue ball and puts it in a blue box, a red ball and it puts it in a red box. It's kind of a simple formula that you would call idiocy. You don't have to be very smart to do those things. Augmented means you've added something to it and trained it. And now we have computers that can beat people at chess and Go, the game of Go, and do, whoa, no human being could play a video game that well and it learned it in, in, in an hour by using these learning, 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 trying everything in the world more than humans can do. And we, that's a learning technology, but we call it artificial intelligence. And now we're trying to put up rules by, oh my gosh, I can have cameras on cars and I can decide what's ahead of me and make decisions like a human. Not even close to it, in my mind. That's how my mind, I, I mean, I was glad to see uh, Waymo here and I forgot I had to look up their uh, dispute with uh, Uber, I'd forgotten. But, <laughs> they're, but part of Google, you know, Google driving the self-driving cars. But the whole idea was it had to get started somewhere. The starting phase of things like that, of, of self-driving cars is, is um, the most important thing, but today it's called artificial intelligence, training cameras to spot and pick out things and what's important and read, read stop signs. Well, if you have a picture of every stop sign from every angle, you can kind of figure out what a stop sign is or a speed, 25 miles per hour. The trouble is everything that we come across, Tesla gets a lot of reputation and they're probably behind every other car manufacturer for self-driving. Um, Audi and Volvo are probably the leaders. I mean, there, there are cars that drive themselves from companies like Chevrolet. The Chevrolet Bolt drives itself. They don't sell it. It's not safe yet. They've been driving off 50 of them in San Francisco for over a year. I watched a video where at night, it's going around stop signs, going around cars, driving at night. A raccoon walked in front of it and it slowed down not to hit the raccoon. I mean, these are impressive things compared to what a Tesla does. Every time our Tesla sees anything, you know, it's a light, it's a light day. It loses track of the lanes in the road. One of the lanes is just a little bit different than normal. It loses track of it. It sees some old black ones. It, it, there's some cones set up and you have to move off of a lane. It has no idea what to do and every single human in the world would know what to do. So I think we're far from the brain can adapt itself and figure things out. We've never once talked about a machine being smart enough to say, what should I do today? What is an interesting project that would give me more life or something or help the world? No, machines do not come up with the plans or the ideas. We come up with them and we build a lot of machinery to make our life nicer. Everyone who's got a smartphone loves everything it does for them. Heck, I love the technology. That's the point we've gotten to. Which gets back to the real we're, value. We're making people. Gets back to the real value of, of WASU, right? Mm -hmm. Getting real education. Of course, someday, someday we're going to have artificial intelligence, maybe. Mm -hmm. That means machines that are smarter than you and me sit down here and have conversation about any subject in the world in any language. <laughs> now, yeah, so that's, well, that's what we're going to work on with Wazio. We're going to join the work, but I think it's, um, even if that happened quickly, machines wouldn't take over the, our lives. The machines won the war against human 200 years ago in Manchester, England. They learned how to make clothing cheap. And from then on, we'd fire humans and never the machines that made clothing cheap. So and it continues they've, won, they've won an economic war at that level, yeah, but um, intuition, they've never been shown to really do it, aside from controlled situations. Understood. Let me ask you a, a lot, kind of a last question. What, what would be the greatest thing 
that you would want to be known for when everything's all said and done? Caring about people, being ethical, sticking to early values in my life, not being changed by the uh, wealth and wanting more wealth and more power. You know, that's nice to hear. Yeah. That's and, nice. Actually, but you know what? In, inventing personal computers wasn't that horrible a step. That was a good one, too. That wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But I, but I am impressed. I will tell you, I'm impressed that you stand in line. That's a pretty cool deal. I, I decided when I was young. No, my values. Shows you a real guy. Shows yes, you a real guy. Who I'm going to be. My philosophies of life were when I was very young. Um, I wanted to be in the middle of people, like normal people, and discuss with them. I didn't want to be high up or low down. I mean, when Apple went public, I said, "Why do three of us? We're called founders. We have our name on a slip of paper, and we got all this huge wealth and ten times and ten times and ten. Why do we have so much more than you'd ever need?" And I never wanted to be that person. I wanted to be in the middle. So I gave um, tens of millions of dollars of my stock to other employees. Company is hugely successful. All the employees, you know, that work here were part of it. So I gave tens of millions of dollars of stock to them at pre-IPO prices. So they all made about a house. And then there were five people. We're called founders. What's a founder? Somebody's in their early days and believes in something before anybody else thinks it's going to be worth money. And I were a bunch of these people. Some were in high school at the Homebrew Computer Club. And if they hadn't been enthusiastic about what I was doing and appreciating it, why would I have done it? So I went back and gave tens of millions of dollars of my stock to five of them just because it was, you know, just felt it was right. It's the just, right thing to do. Yeah, it was yeah. easy and right. It's like... That's cool. Schools, so- but schools... I was, you know, I was given a lot of computers to schools along with a lot of other philanthropy. And I thought, well, if you have a lot of money, it's easy to give it. But what you, what's really hard is to give something that's a big sacrifice, like your own time. And I decided I should teach. It was a goal in my life. I told my dad I was going to be an engineer and then a fifth grade teacher. And I had kids in school and I decided I would start teaching. And that's, that's what got me into it. It's like you give yourself. It's more important that you feel what you're doing. I want to give you a chance for a final word. Anything you want to say? Yeah. Arizona, let's change the world again. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Give them a big round of applause if you would. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. What a pleasure. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Hey, I've said it once and I'm going to say it again. Download the JetSmarter app now. What are you waiting for? Join the private air travel industry revolution. That's right. Unlike jet cards or fractional ownership, JetSmarter lets you help helps you to create on-demand flights anywhere on the planet. That's right. You can fly anywhere on a private jet. You know, jump on a private jet. You never know who's going to be on there with you because you're sharing it with someone. Awesome. I'll be on there with, with Puff Daddy, right? So you can reserve your seats on shared flights worldwide all in minutes from a single mobile app. It takes you seconds. And you put your credit card on there and you're flying private jets. So that's really cool. So it's unlike any other service and only private flight service that lets you share your extra charter seats with fellow members in exchange for flight credits. No prepaid hours, no expensive brokers, just 
innovative air travel at your fingertips so you can experience aviation as it was meant to be in comfort okay you know travel like the c-suite jet smarter that's right flying private is now within reach download the jet smarter app today and use the code smart s-m-a-r-t to become part of the world's largest members only private aviation community and discover a smarter way to fly so visit their website right now jet smarter JetSmarter.com for more info. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. What did I learn from Waz? Man, I learned that he's one smart dude, and he has a passion, and that passion's still with him. And you could see, you could—it's so much fun to be sitting across from somebody who loves what they do, and you can tell that. And they, you know, the other thing is, I'm going to tell you, that's one of the most important things I've learned in life, and I was—I got to see it from Waz. Just be yourself. You know, be yourself. Look at this guy. You, you, you would, he's a, oh man, I'm telling you, smart, 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 smart. Look what he's gone and built for himself by being who he is and taking care of the special needs of who he is about the way he does things, the way he is. And that's what makes uh, him special. That's what, that's what makes the was the was. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, right here on C-Suite Radio. And don't forget, my friends, do me a favor. Tell people about us. Go on iTunes. Go everywhere else you can and recommend us and rate us. We'd appreciate that. Give me a... If you don't like it, tell it. Say that, too. If you don't like the show, you can say that. I don't care. Uh, but I will hunt you down. Anyway, this has been Jeffrey Hazlett right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.